You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and we're just so excited to be here tonight in the 602 Club. And I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and of course, uh, with me as she is every... Wait, are you are you future you or are you just you you, Christy? Oh, it's me, 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 me. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I couldn't tell. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't know if this I was dealing with the future version of you or. Oh, no, goodness. she's going to look a lot older because I mean, you know, that's thirty years from now. Oh, that's true. Oh, are you are you saying that in thirty years you're not going to look as good as you do now? Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> of course not i'm gonna look exactly hoping. the same oh <laughs> uh, well who knows what medical advances we'll have by then but uh we're excited tonight we're gonna be diving into a new movie that just got dropped uh there on amazon prime called the tomorrow war starring the one and only chris pratt uh but before we dive into that just a quick reminder of course you know you can Find us wherever you do get your podcasts, and and so if you're listening to us, make sure you subscribe to the show. That way you get the show as soon as it drops. And of course, uh, if you happen to be in the Apple system, we would love for you to give us a star rating review over there on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever they're calling it these days. Of course, you could find us uh, on Twitter at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at 602 Club TFM. So make sure you're following us in both of those places. Uh, you can also uh, find us online at trek.fm. We've got the Facebook. Uh, page you can go to the facebook.com slash track fm and of course if you want to talk to listeners from all over the world uh, you can go to our listeners only discussion group on facebook called the babel conference and join that uh, and then a huge thank you to the social producers we have here through patreon ken trip davis grayson ryan millett daniel noah do really want to say a huge thank you to them for making sure that everything we do here on the network keeps coming to you each and every week and of course, uh, it's a lot of money to put on a network of this size. So if you like what we do and you want to make sure it keeps coming to you, go to patreon.com slash trackfm and see how you can be part of the team. So, Christy, uh, before we got into anything about the movie, I just wanted to know, you know, getting into this one, is this a movie that you had heard of at all before I put it on the 602 Club schedule? And were in any way excited about it all? No, that was the weird thing about this one. It kind of snuck up on me. Um, I think that I happened to see it a day or two ago um, when it initially came out on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime because I watch other stuff on our Prime app. Right. But um, I would have liked to have seen more advertising for it because just being, um, you know, geek related time travel subject matter and having Chris Pratt it already would have hooked me in to watch it. So I kind of wish they had done more marketing. Yeah, this is, uh, it is one of those things where it's really interesting because it's a movie that, you know, was meant to come out in the theater. And uh, of course, you know, with everything that happened with COVID, it got sold to Amazon and, um, you know, became another one of those films that, uh, you know, just kind of would, would never see the light of the day when it came to the the theater. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have, you know, I, I, I did see some marketing for it in places. Um, you know, I, I feel like been watching there's been this has kind of been a summer of soccer there's been a bunch of tournaments that have been going on and i feel like i've seen uh you know advertising for it there mm, um okay but in all in all honesty and i've seen some on online with like you know chris pratt promoting it on instagram or, or uh, twitter and those kind of things. But yeah, you know i, I mean i am kind of with you I, I do feel like this is kind of a movie where you know obviously Paramount sold it to Amazon, and so, you know, well, I mean, they got their money, 
that way. And, you know, it was really up to Amazon to make this something that people, you know, wanted to go see. And so, and log in to see. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I wish that it had been one of those things where you had, you know, even more word of mouth and everything for, uh, in the sense of, you know, uh, the, and the only other thing I, I did see was the other day they were doing, I think the premiere, um, somewhere, uh, and they had, you know, all the cast there. And I saw that, I think it was on Instagram as well. So they had done some of that, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's a movie to which, you know, which happened with a lot of movies is that, you know, studios weren't really keen to like try and put something in the theater at this point, And they just wanted to try and make some money back on their film. And, you know, it, so this is another one of those casualties of COVID in that way, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of sad because, I mean, in all honesty, even just coming into this, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like it's, it's been a while since we've had kind of a high concept type of movie like this with, with sci-fi, um, you know, with the idea of like, you know, like time travel and, you know, um, kind of a, a hopefully a rip run adventure with action adventure aliens and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just feels like it's been a while since we've had a movie like this in the first place. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. i let me ask you this before we like not to give anything away about how we feel about the movie, but I mean, do you feel like this might've been something that people would have actually gone to see in the theaters if it had come out, especially say over the 4th of July weekend? Yeah, I do. I mean, especially since, you know, the subject matter has to do with saving mankind. Um, it's something that you could kind of tie into as well with, you know, American Independence Day, um, similar to the way they did Independence Day, the movie back in the sure. day. So, yeah, I, I think because they had Chris Pratt and because of the subject matter that it would have brought people to the theater. I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I, I think that mm. it's a movie to which I think was a little bit short sighted for them to not put into the theater um you know there hasn't been yeah. a ton of stuff in the first place out right now anyway i mean um and you know in in many ways uh f9 uh is 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 uh excited about that they're you know making uh money this weekend because nobody else had anything else to, uh, to see than like the, the second boss baby movie in which unless you have kids you're not going to be going to see that you know so no <laughs> this would have just added another film for people to go see and so yeah i it's just really interesting you know um everything that's happened you we've had a lot of films just you know uh, unfortunately um have to deal with the ramifications of 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 covid and and they've you know they were they were hit films um more than just about anything else when it uh, and it feels like in media would really hit hard uh so yeah, a movie like this, just uh, its only life is on Amazon. So I guess, uh, you know, coming into the film and seeing if it has a second life, um, you know, this this movie is, we mentioned, it's all about time travel. And so, uh, and, and of course, you know, we've seen time travel in so many movies uh, mm-hmm. at this point. So with that being such a prominent thing in this film, how do you feel like this movie handled that? I think that they did a good job with it because they kept it simple mm-hmm. and had a, had that scene where they explain exactly what they're doing, um, mm-hmm. where they say, you know, we have a very um, duct taped together situation with creating the wormhole in the first place. So they also are letting you know they created it and it's not like an anomaly out of nowhere. Right. Um and they say, you know, we can only go from our time to your time or vice versa. Um, right. So they clear up anything about alternate timelines. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Loki happening right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that helped a lot. How did it work for you? You know, I, I it's interesting that you say that because I do think that this was a pretty smart use of time travel in that sense um i thought that 
like you said, they don't overcomplicate things. They do explain it well in the sense that it's it's a linear time progression and they, they can't just go to any time. Like they're mm-hmm. hooked to this time and it, it time moves with them. And that's why, you know, you have the uh, seven day windows. Uh, I think it was that, you know, people uh, have their deployment and then they get to come back, you know, as if they're alive. And the other thing about it, too, was is that it does fit nicely in the sense that that future is coming back to the past, almost Terminator type of rules where you're coming back to the past to try and change something in the past to affect the future, which is very classic Star Trek time time travel and that so many people are used to. So it's not difficult to understand in that sense either. Mm-hmm. Um and and of course, you know, that's also what gives you the the big like reveal then too with, you know, the character that you meet, which we'll talk about a bit a little bit later. Um and, you know, kind of brings uh makes that possible, right? Um, because mm-hmm. we're not branching into alternate timelines or anything like that. No, this was a specific future um that is fixed in its point and so i think yeah they they do a great job in that and you know and in all honesty i think the most interesting thing that i kind of found about it is it it felt like that independence day and the movie aliens and interstellar all kind of had a baby when it came to kind yeah. of what they're doing, you know, with the time travel. And uh, and yet it was less complicated than something like Interstellar, for sure, because, again, we're, we're, we have some of those same things happening, like where we have to, our future selves are reaching back to our past selves to help save the, you know, the, the world, the universe, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I and again, I just think it that's one of the things the movie does pretty decently is that it doesn't overcomplicate itself where it could have um and really made it frustrating to anyone in the audience where they're like, "I don't really understand this." Um so it took right. me it took me a minute to kind of get what rules they were going for and then once I did, yeah, it was it was pretty easy to understand. Well, and I'm wondering too how you noticed, you know, it, it or what you thought of it not being too far into the future. So the future that they're talking about is believable that, you know, in this mm-hmm. amount of time that's going to get to that point um, of severity. And then mm-hmm. also not having like future versions of themselves coming back to right. warn right. the same person. No, uh, I got to say, I think, you know, it was really interesting, the whole idea of that. They're looking for the, the reason the people they choose that go to the future are people that are dead in the future. So they've right. also yeah. created this rule basically in the time travel that it w- if if you went to the future and you met yourself, you could create some kind of paradox, right? Exactly. Um, so they're, they're, they're playing by those rules too. And again, it's, it's kind of more in a, in the, frame of a a classic star trek type um of a thought process that that could happen or even back to the future rules really as well um and so yeah i think it's i liked that you know um i did think that it only being 30 years in, in the future was not a bad idea it was interesting that in that 30 years we'd been able to fa- figure out some sort of wormhole technology that that's a, a little bit of a stretch, but it's also a sci-fi movie, so it's like you just let that go. Um, I don't really have a an issue with that, um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, I mean, it also helped in the sense that you know you could kind of believe any of the technological advances for the most part. I mean, other than the wormhole machine too. So did, did you yeah. feel like it worked for you as well? Did you feel like they made a good choice or do you feel like maybe they should have gone further into the future? No, I think it was a good choice doing a that short of an amount of time, but it wasn't too short and it wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I think that it benefited them, like you were saying, with the technology standpoint. I think we do just kind of take it with a grain of salt that we're on board with the wormhole technology. Um, But I like that they added the armband to, Mm -hmm. you know, implant into you and Mm -hmm. um, only identify with your genetic signature. Right. And that was still believable because, you know, I mean, we've kind of got that technology now with like microchipping pets. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, no, that that's really, and, and you know, I was just thinking as we were talking about this idea of like, why wouldn't they, you know, why would it be 30 years? And in, in many ways, I was thinking, you know, if you say that you're from 200 years into the future, right, isn't it easier for people to like, kind of say no to that? But when it's 30 years, I mean, most of the people that are on the planet, majority of them are going to be alive in 30 years. So... It, it, absolutely absolutely so and and i think that plays in well then with the whole idea of like not sacrificing the future uh, because i was really interested in the way this movie had some really interesting things to say i thought and one of them is you know we see people as this process continues to get more and more uh, frustrated Uh, with the war effort because they don't seem to be making any progress that they can understand or feel. And people start protesting the idea that we're at war in the future in the first place and wanting it to stop. And I was thinking that this really, uh, it got to the idea of being really short-sighted. Because the, mm-hmm. by the movie being only 30 years in the future, we're talking about basically the next generation and what they'll experience. And I was just really struck by how this movie seemed to be saying in subtle and not so subtle ways, what we do here and now has an impact in the future. And if we don't, if we're not willing to fight for the future, um, maybe by sacrificing now for what'll be better then, um, the world could be an awful place. Uh, and yeah. this really puts that into perspective, obviously, because you know we literally have aliens uh, in the future. But I, I was just thinking about the ways in which our society is is mortgaging the future uh, for now, uh, and you know especially like financially um we're we're saddling our our children with all kinds uh, of crises for short-term benefits because we can't think long term and i mm-hmm. this movie really kind of puts that into perspective yeah i think that's an excellent point it really shows that what we do right now matters um, you know, I mean, the, similar to the way that the movie Wally talks about how we need yes. to think about trash. Um, the more trash and um, not recycling we create now, the worse it's mm-hmm. going to be for our future generations. Um, and I did think some of this movie also leaned a little bit into um, the concept of global warming. Um, sure. Yeah. But I do like that you brought that up of that we do have to consider or that we should at least mm-hmm. what we're doing and how it's going to affect yes. our children or our children's children, because otherwise you are, right. you know, leading to destruction. Yep. I, I mean, hundred percent. I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I don't look, I don't have an, I, a problem with them leaning into the idea of, you know, us taking care of the planet, you know, uh, the, the idea is the, is the planet warming, you know, what should we be doing on that? Again, all of these are questions to which we need to be asking ourselves. And it really does come down to, you know, to not sacrifice the future, we have to be willing to sacrifice now for long-term benefits. It's the same Mm -hmm. way in which, I mean, it's, you know, legitimately, it's the same principle of like, why people create 401ks, right? You know, we're sacrificing now so that we can create for ourselves a future. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it is, this movie definitely puts that into perspective. I I, I think it's a good perspective. 
um, for us to be thinking about like what are we doing now that is is harming what's to come and and i especially think that this movie because of the relationship that we end up between chris pratt's character dan and his daughter i think that that again puts it into perspective as well right because the life that he led uh and the light the life he leads affects who she became right mm-hmm. and so i really appreciate the fact that we bring it home by making it really personal with the characters that this 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 is this is something to which is on a micro and a macro scale yes yeah because you have to think about your own life and how that can cause a ripple effect into other things and then you also have to look at the big picture like you're saying of how everything that we do as a society um then causes either things to become better in the future or worse. Um, and I, I do think that it was nice to have that um, idea of he and his daughter, it really leaning into what matters in your life. Um, and that, you know, you can't just constantly be working yourself to death or feeling like you've never actually made it in life and let your life pass you by. Right. Because then he realizes that's what happens with her when he meets her in the future mm-hmm. is that he was living his life for always trying to achieve more in his career mm-hmm. and feeling like he individually never did enough. And right. taking for granted his wife and his daughter and his daughter growing mm-hmm. up and then got in a car accident. Yep. You know, I I like that you bring that up because, you know, the whole idea of the life that you lead and what it is that really matters in that life is quite fascinating. Um, because like you said, you know, Chris Pratt's character, Dan, is somebody who's legitimately always, he, he is thinking that he is not good enough because he's not doing enough. Um, he's not the one that's getting chosen for the 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 big projects, you know, the big science projects. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think we absolutely see the that what he does learn is that all of those things are not bad, right? Like one of the things we we kind of get in this 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 movie is is a wonderful uh, reminder that true science is good. You know, oh, yeah. true science has the ability to to help and to save us. Um, but that's not the only thing, right? Because the the way we raise our children um, and the way we take care of our families and prepare with the next generation for what's to come also can save us. And Dan only focusing on one of those things almost uh, misses the opportunity to help save the world, right? Um, and you, you, what I love is that when he gets back from the future, it is his wife and his daughter and those kids in his classroom that help him save the world, right? Yeah. So again, the movie is not just telling us things. It's literally showing it to us what's important. And I, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, at the end of the day, it's the people that we connect with and you right. know, our family and things like that that make life worth living um, mm-hmm. and and that can work together to change everything mm-hmm. in life. Um, you know, that... Yes, we have to have jobs and, um, you know, feel like we're contributing to society, but mm-hmm. that's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we can't take life for granted. Like the most yeah. important things in life are not achievements. Yeah. You know, they're the, the people that we invest in, the people who go on, right? The, especially mm-hmm. like, again, this whole movie kind of about like not sacrificing the future and the life you lead all play around that idea because 
this movie has, I think, a great message in the sense of we're investing in the future. And the best way to invest in the future is to invest in the children, right? The ones Mm -hmm. we teach in our schools, the ones we're raising in our homes. And if we do that well, we, we place the world in good hands. If we don't do that well, we could screw ourselves, you know? And I think that's definitely a message of this. So. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Thank you for putting that all together into one simple (laughs) sentence. (laughs) No, I think it's funny because as we've been talking about it, like a lot of the stuff has been coalescing to me and just like the ways in which it connects. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's neat. And, and, And which, you know, makes it a better movie in the end too, that a lot of these themes are interconnected through what they're doing. So I, yeah. I think that's great. And the one other thing I wanted to add too is that as far as with the life you lead and um, investing in kids is um, I love that they call back to the one kid in his class who was obsessed yeah. with something that's and great. it was super volcanoes or something like that. And um, they're showing that a, that one kid in your class that everyone might think is a little too into school or is a little weird or whatever may be the kid that is mm-hmm. smarter than all of us. <laughs> um, right. And then B, that one person alone can't do all of this, that it takes a group of people that all have different talents to then do something like save the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think it was excellent that they they went with that um and and again it's one of those ways of of showing you know Mm -hmm. not not just telling and i think that's smart you know um we we like movies here that do that uh on the 602 club and so I'm, i'm definitely glad that this movie decided to to make that happen so uh you know we've talked a lot about the fact that you know with the the movie chris pratt is the is the lead actor here and so um how how do you feel like he did with playing this this character dan forrester who is a biology teacher he's a former green beret who had served you know two tours in iraq and now is is working specifically um to uh you know get uh a science fellowship basically uh, he, he's, he's really into, um, you know, trying to, to make this happen for himself. Um, one, he's a science teacher. He's a biology teacher. He understands the importance of science, but he's also somebody who wants to be a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, um, some, a couple of things could have maybe explained his, motivations better with the writing um, at at the beginning of his story. But I think that all of it, as far as Chris Pratt's performance was great. Um, I think that also because we now know in real life, he is a father that you can see him bringing that into this role of playing a father on screen. And I think he does a really great job and especially of showing the emotion um, that he's dealing with, with, a in the beginning not mm-hmm. really connecting with his daughter um as much you know you can tell he loves her and that they are close but that he's always got this other thing that matters to him a right. little bit more and he's he's overlooking her um and then i i love that he has those moments in the future where his older daughter is trying to tell him, no, you stay in the helicopter or no, you have to go back with the vial now without me. And both times he says, you're my daughter. I'm not just going to leave you to get eaten. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Um, right. So, you know, it, it showing him and us as the audience that she is the thing that matters um, and mm-hmm. that when he has to make a decision that he is going to choose her. Um, but that she teaches him how to be a better person and then how to go back and have a second chance. And I, I like how that whole thing of second chances wraps in. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody about this and a friend of mine and, you know, they were mentioning Chris Pratt and how sometimes it's this difficult for them because they kind of feel like he 
plays much the same character in every movie. And, and I said, you know, one of the, and I told him that one of the things about this movie was that I felt like this was not just Chris Pratt being, you know, Chris Pratt that we know from, you know, Parks and Rec or, you know, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, exactly. That this was, this was a different side of Chris Pratt. This, this was, and I, I definitely agree with you, it was the father. Uh, and I think a lot of his, instincts now with being a dad come out in this film yeah i think the classroom scenes where you know he plays the teacher who can understand these kids are not into what's going on especially with what's happened and uh, of course you know we we we, you know see him then in those scenes uh, when he's playing with yvonne who's playing his older daughter uh, in the future, I, you, I actually felt like you could see the the fatherliness coming out in those scenes, which is more difficult to do, I would think, to kind of treat somebody who's basically your same age as your kid. And um, I, I think you know Chris Pratt did a very good job, and I think he does a good job with with carrying the the movie. I do think, and you mentioned that the movie could have done. Um, maybe something to introduce him as the character and who he was. You know, they start the movie off by placing you in the future immediately, but maybe it might have been better to give, start the movie with a flashback of him in Iraq mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe having him wake up or something. Uh, it, is it a dream? You know, so um, something along those lines might have been nice, I think, uh, maybe to give us a little bit more of an insight to him as a character. Uh, because I didn't really feel like the way that they start the movie with him in the future was necessary. Um, it, I know it's a done for shock value, and then we're going to see how we get there. But we, if you're coming into this movie and you've seen the movie poster at all, you know he's going to end up in the future. So I feel like... It might be a better uh, opportunity to just devote to character before mm-hmm. we kind of like you know dive into action there. So yeah, that's the only thing I would say. I feel like the maybe the movie could have helped itself with. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and I think it also would have shown his how he's a little bit more qualified for than returning mm-hmm. to battle again. Um, in the midst of all yeah. these civilians yep. that are being converted to soldiers. Right, right. Well, and, so. and, and that is one place where the movie just told you things, right? It told you that he was a... Uh, it told you that he was an army vet. It didn't mm-hmm. show you at all. And, you know, right. and there are other movies that do that too, where they just... Uh, but I do think that would have been a nice idea. Um, so, Yvonne Strahovski, which, you know... I've been a huge fan of her since Chuck. So, you know, it was nice to have Sarah Walker on the job here uh, playing Colonel Murray Forrester and, you know, their daughter um, as an adult. Uh, I thought she did great. You know, um, it, the only thing I think I would have wanted more of is just more of her in general, you know, um, or more time. But I, I really enjoyed the. Uh, the way in which, you know, she challenged her dad's preconceptions about himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought all of her scenes like that were really good. So, I mean, I, I honestly don't take that I don't have a lot to say about her to be a bad thing because I think she was great. That's good to hear. I think I felt the same as you as far as her challenging um Chris Pratt's character as well because I I like that she is the big reveal like you were saying before and then also that she makes him think twice about how he's living his life right in the present um and I like that they have this um unexpected nature to their dialogue between each other you know I mean when she does um actually talk about how he dies, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. see that coming. You wonder, you know, if they're just going to continue to keep that right. a secret. Um, 
And then I, I just as a character moment for her that I really loved, I love when she has the female alien in the lab and he says, are you sure it's safe to get that close? And she's like, oh, of course it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely that not. Was great. So, well, yeah, I thought she was great, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I, I also really enjoyed I love J.K. Simmons kind of playing his dad. Um Mm-hmm. Dan Forrester's dad, you know, this guy who he's kind of an anti-American or anti-government, not anti-American, but kind of anti-government yeah. survivalist guy, Vietnam veteran who had really struggled coming home from Vietnam and left his family because he was not in a place emotionally to be able to control his anger uh, in a way that would have been safe for his family. And he knew that. And mm-hmm. I I understand and I think it is great um, that, you know, I, because it makes sense why Chris Pratt's character is so angry at his father. But I also think it's beautiful that his father was willing to leave because he knew he wasn't right for his kids you know he Mm -hmm. wasn't in a right place in his mind to be there and he knew what he would do to them if he stayed and it would be worse than um going Mm -hmm. and i i think what it does in in just a small way is it helps us understand you know what it, it can be like for people to come back from war and how much it can change them and so I appreciate that. And I think J.K. Simmons was, you know, great in the role. I really liked the way he played um, the character. I loved, you know, that there is that reconciliation between him and his his. This whole movie really is about family reconciliation in many ways, about mm-hmm. misconceptions and preconceptions about people. Um, and um, I, I think it's uh, about also challenging preconceptions about ourselves and in others right you know Mm because dan has a preconception about himself that he would never leave his family right because of what happened with his dad but turned out that he did you know yeah and um he also has a preconception of what his father did without really truly understanding the whole story and there's something about being told that, oh, you did the same thing, basically, that your parent did, that puts things in perspective as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, I think that's generally what a lot of people don't want is to do exactly what their parents did, or or at least they want to avoid becoming what their parents did wrong. Um, So, yeah, that always puts things in big perspective and makes people want to do things differently. Um, And, yeah, I mean... I love J.K. Simmons in general. Um, you know, he does such a great job anytime, A, that he plays a dad, but then also, B, when he's doing something like this that's a really um, emotionally driven character. It, I love that they did have that moment of him explaining why he left mm-hmm. and saying that I knew... I didn't want to hurt my family either emotionally or physically because I wasn't right. So the best thing for me to do was to go. Yeah. No, and it, absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, it, it shows too like the severity of what you're going through when you come back from war sometimes are also people that have PTSD, mm-hmm. how bad it can be. Yeah. So, yeah, but but having them, I think the happy ending ultimately is that he and his son reconcile, and then he gets to meet his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, um, you know, I would say there are three other characters in the movie: his wife, um, Charlie, who is another scientist who gets um, drafted, and then we have Dorian, who's the cancer stricken drafty who's on his third tour of duty because he's going to die and he wants to die his way and 
all of these characters kind of have less screen time than any of the others, but I liked them all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, uh, especially Sam Richardson, who's playing Charlie, he was really funny without being too over the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I appreciated that. You know, in fact, in some ways, I felt like he kind of took on more of the Chris Pratt type role, you know, where he's there to kind of make jokes. But he's also an important character because, you know, he's also a scientist who ends up helping save the world. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Edwin Hodge playing Dorian, this guy who's just really committed to doing all he can to save the world and what little time he has left, I thought was pretty awesome. Uh, and I like Betty Glippin uh, as his wife. You know, she doesn't. She mm-hmm. probably gets the least amount to do uh, of all of the the characters. Um, but I thought she did a good job with the little amount of time that she had. So yeah, I mean, in the end, you know, this movie had some some pretty strong casting. So. I think that was one of the bigger things it had going for it because it's got people that are recognizable enough. And then it, people like Betty Gilpin, who are particularly popular right now with her having done glow, she played Liberty bell. Um, she is really great at the role of the mom and the wife. Um, and I think that in this movie, she really gets across what they're going through as a mother and daughter trying to get his attention all the time, um, Dan's attention. Um, and then how they're able to reconcile when he comes back. Right. And that, you know, I like when he initially gets the armband that she's kind of the audience's eyes of saying, right. well, is there a way we can get out of this? Right. Um, so, yeah, she did a great job. Um, and then it really, to me, the, the person that stood out the most aside from Dan was Charlie. I mean, not Charlie, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Dorian. Um, because you can completely understand how somebody would feel when they're told they have a terminal illness. And he said, I didn't want to just sit here and waste away at home. Right. I wanted to do something with the time I had left and I wanted to die my way, um, and it, it, to do it in a way that feels more honorable, I guess, to him than just sitting at home. Um, but I like that he and Dan play off of each other as sort of the optimist and the pessimist or the hopeful person and the pessimist. Mm-hmm. Because he says, specifically says, I didn't do this for anybody else. I just did this because I didn't want to die at home with cancer. So, you know, you yep. need to stop having hope that we're going to save the world or that this is going to make things better or that anything we're doing matters. Right. And I like that Dan is always the one saying, no, it does matter. Everything we do matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a good point because one of the things that this movie does with that is that, especially with that character is that we do see somebody who has kind of lost hope that, that, anything does matter and yet he's still acting as if it does right you know Mm -hmm. um which i think is great so um and yeah i again i liked all of those those characters that i i think they all did a great job so we do have the aliens, which I, I obviously, because they play such a big role in this, I, I definitely thought it would be a smart idea for us to kind of talk about them, um, the white spikes. And, and what did you end up thinking of them with design and everything like that? Because, you know, we've seen a ton of different types of aliens in movies. So, Right. I, I felt like they were really cool design-wise because it feels like a mixture of something as far as like their faces that looks almost like a dragon, but also kind of like a living dead creature because it, it looks like a skull rather than something Mm -hmm. with skin. Um, And then they also aren't just like a four legged kind of thing. They have these tentacles that have the spikes and, you know, the ability to reach around and grab things as well. So mm-hmm. it feels like it is derivative of several other aliens kind of all put together, but mm-hmm. in a cool way that I was really curious to see with the buildup they give before you actually see them. 
mm-hmm. um, and then showing how they worked, um, you know, how they are sort of the same mentality of how like a colony of bees would be where sure. they're all protecting the female. So, yeah, I, I love the design. I thought they were cool. You know, the first thing that they made me think of when we finally kind of like see them all was I, I couldn't help but think uh, if if in the Star Wars universe you had B movies that this would be Attack of the Womp Rats. Because <laughs> that's what they reminded they kinda me of. They kind of look like Womp Rats to you. Womp Rats, yes. That's so, funny. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I thought that, that that's exactly what they, they looked like. Uh, and so, um, it, what, but no, I, I didn't really have any problems or anything with, with the aliens themselves and the way that they look. I thought uh, that it was... Um, you know, I thought they were well done. Uh, and, you know, I thought what was great is that they had some some very interesting aspects to them, right? That, that uh, they didn't just feel like any alien we had seen before. Yeah, there's some derivative nature to it, but it did feel different. You know, it did mm-hmm. feel like its own thing. Uh, and I was appreciative of that. So I, I I liked them, um, you know I, I do think it, an, an interesting question then and and something that you had thought of was, you know how how did you feel about because always the biggest part of this is how you bring an alien like this down like what it, what ends up being mm-hmm. their weakness right and so how did that work for you in this film. I thought it was logical because, A, they're then emphasizing how much science matters to things like this, again, because it ends up being a toxin injected into them that takes them Mm -hmm. down, um, or that you have to find the two places on their body where you can cut or shoot them that are vulnerable. Um, But even that is, you know, biology, looking at how they're different from us and how they're built and finding the weak spots. So... I thought that that was really cool. And I think, you know, different than just having to blow their heads off or, you know, like in aliens, um, trying to get rid of the eggs and stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's got something a little different. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm there with you. I do. I did think that this was, uh, interesting. And I didn't really have any issues with the way that they decide to uh, make this uh, bring them down. Like I, I thought, um, it made sense. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting, um, and I also thought the the this idea of of you know, uh, obviously, basically, what you're kind of doing is kind of almost creating a virus, really, to be able to take them down, like this toxin mm-hmm. that, that they they can't fight, you know. Um, which I thought was really interesting, especially in light of everything that we had been through over the last year. And and so that was kind of fascinating um, that we'd be kind of using that idea to, to bring out an alien species that, are, that attacked us. Um, also was really interesting, you know, we, we play on the whole idea that um, biology matters in the sense that, you know, the difference in the sexes for the for this alien species, right? Um, they mm-hmm. react differently uh, to, to the toxin. So whereas the toxin would kill the males, it, it, it could only slow down the fe- the females. They were able to kind of work it through their system quicker. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, again, this whole movie is really about how science works, right? Mm-hmm. And what matters in it, you know? And so that all the details in science really matter. So I, I liked that. I thought it, it worked pretty well. So, um, Lastly, I'm really interested just to kind of see where you are on this and if it was something that jumped out to you at all, which was the soundtrack, because Lauren Balf, who did the soundtrack for the last Mission Impossible movie, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, did this. And so I was wondering what you thought of it or if it was something that, you know, for you, since you don't always really pay attention to the soundtracks as much, um, did it stand out to you in any way? No. <laughs> I mean, it, that was a, it, not that it was bad, but it was just very similar, I felt like, to other sci-fi movies. Um, and that, you know, it, it 
did remind me of some of his previous work. Um, so, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't anything super memorable. I kind of wish there had been a recognizable regular theme, maybe for Dan or something. Um, so, you know, like I said, like it was fine. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Um, I, I, uh, I think that you're right. Um, I think that sadly, uh, there was not a lot in this that really, the problem was, I, in all honesty, it just sounded too much like Mission Impossible, what he had done there. There are a lot of mm-hmm. places where I felt like it, it seemed too familiar. Part of that was that it just sounded too much like what he'd done there. So, uh, and then like you said, you know, I, having just rewatched Independence Day because we just had Independence Day, um, mm-hmm. and that's what you do uh, as you watch that movie. You know, that movie has a really good soundtrack with a great theme to it. And I think a movie like this could have benefited from having a, a nice theme that was something that was hummable, you know, that, that you, yeah. when you heard it, you were like, oh, that's the theme to, you know, uh, the Tomorrow War. So I wish that had been the case. And and I, I think you're absolutely right in kind of nailing the movie in the sense that, yeah, it does kind of sound generic action movie, sci-fi-ish thing. And that's not exciting. You know, um, yeah. you do, put it this way, a great soundtrack can take a movie that is just average and make it above average very quickly um, because it elevates everything. And this mm-hmm. uh, this soundtrack doesn't elevate anything. That's the problem is it doesn't elevate the movie um, and, and make you think of it in a different way at all. So, yeah. Yep. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> well, uh, so with that, where would you come down on your ratings for the Tomorrow War? I think that it goes down a little bit in rating for me because of that issue with missing some really amazing music, um, but also of some of the things feeling very like we were saying derivative of other sci-fi movies. Um, I think that it just, it needed a couple little tweaks that would have really taken it up a star for me. So I I give it a three and a half out of five um, toxin injections, because I just think that, you know, like we were saying that you could have, shown more instead of using dialogue to tell about Dan's experience in the military. Um, You know, I think that there could have been more time for his daughter as an adult, for her character to spend time on screen. Um, And then, you know, like we were saying, I think that the, the music could have been a little better. So I enjoyed it, but I think that there could have been some tweaks to really elevate it. Yeah. You know, I had a good time watching this movie uh, in the sense that, like, I was, you know, I was entertained. You know, I was never really bored in the film. Uh, I loved the little, uh, you know, and I turned to my wife, you know, and when uh, they got to the future and she's talking, he's talking to this girl. I was like, oh, that's that's going to be his daughter, isn't it? And so (laughs) I wasn't really surprised by anything, but. That wasn't necessarily a terrible thing. I I do think you kind of pinpointed, though, that one of the things about the movie is it does kind of seem like there just needed to be something else. You know, like it's missing that something super special that makes it really stand out. Part of that, I think you we've talked about with the score that really does uh, does nothing to elevate the rest of the movie, which it could have. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of ways in which the movie could really, what it could do. And I think I like your idea of, you know, if, if this movie always just leaned into the character development, that that would probably be the way to go. Um, and, you know, uh, because otherwise, you know, 
you you are you can become just too familiar in the sense of oh it's aliens and you know we're trying to stop them and all those kind of things so um i would say though i would give this three and a half out of five stars you know i do think that i enjoyed watching it um and you know i i kind of would have been interested to see it on the big screen actually um to see how it played there i felt like some of the scenes uh, that they had filmed, you know, felt like they would work really well on the big screen. And I just would have enjoyed going to the movies to see this with friends, you know. So, yeah, but I would I mean, you know, definitely say, hey, if you got Amazon Prime, it's it's worth watching. So, yeah, that's funny. We're we're both rated exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it is it's right in that place where it's definitely it could never go higher than this. Like. Yeah. Every once in a while, John Mills and I'll talk about a movie or or something and we're like, oh, you know, it it has, it's rated this, but it has the ability to like transcend that, right? And even with all we talked about with the way the themes really play together and everything here, there isn't anything in this movie that I could, I could find even in that conversation where it's like, oh yeah, that stuff was great, but there's, there's nothing in there that I feel like is going to make this move up. Right. Well, I am really interested, though, uh, to hear, Christy, what you will be recommending for everyone in our recommendation section. Yeah, so I have one this time that I I will recommend for people that like indie films, in particular stuff that's in the thriller or tragedy kind of genre. Um, But, you know, I think that it's also not for everybody. So if it's that's not really your thing, then I wouldn't recommend it for you. But. I enjoyed a movie that apparently came out in 2009, also with one of my favorite actors, Robert Sheehan, called Cherry Bomb, which got its name, of course, from the song, um, which was part of its weakness, is that that's kind of what uh, inspires the writing of the story, is having um, two guys that are best friends that fall in love with the same girl, who happens to be one of them's boss's daughter. Um, But does end up having some surprising thriller elements to it. Um, and it deals a lot with things that teens go through of, you know, that pressure of having people around you that are into bad stuff and trying to influence you or, um, you know, two friends that are trying to decide whether their friendship or the girl is the more important thing to them. Um, so, I think that it ultimately has some really interesting themes um, and I recommend checking it out. So cherry bomb. Nice. Yeah. is on uh voodoo streaming free with ads. So very nice. Very nice. Uh, you know, I am going to say that. Um, so I mentioned that I, I rewatched independence day and I'm going to recommend that, that people go, rewatch independence day especially in 4k um i rewatched it there Mm. it looked great um and i think the thing that just surprised me is that for the most part the movie just it still holds up like it's it's a good movie i mean it's there's some silliness to it and everything but it really does i was just surprised at at how much i enjoyed rewatching it which is not always normal for a movie you know that came out you know almost 25 years ago or whatever at this point uh and i yeah i really enjoyed rewatching independence day it again it looked great in 4k so if you can check it out that way i highly recommend going back and and rewatching uh a classic and uh you know some good time will smith right there so uh Mm -hmm. prime time will smith but um, yeah, Christy, if if people want to catch up with you and, and see what else you have going on right now, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then, of course, on Facebook and the Babel Conference. And when I'm not here, I also do a show called Sabres and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa, where we talk about some more niche geek stuff that we don't always get to talk about. So um, we're a little behind at the moment, I know, but we need to come out with another episode and we're thinking possibly um, 
some interesting stuff that might surprise you for the next one. So hope you'll check that out at Sabres and Spells. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, well, uh, you can also find me all over the place. Uh, search for the name Matt Rushing Joe 2. That'll be the best place to check uh, me out. Um, and any of the social media platforms, just search that. And if I'm there, you'll find me. Of course, uh, here on the network, uh, you've got Snyder Cuts in this feed where John Mills and I talked about all of the films that Snyder directed, Zack Snyder directed. Uh, you can also, of course, you know, find me over uh, here doing Literary Treks in the Orb, Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, and the Orbs about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, and then uh, you can also uh, find me over on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Outpost. I did that with Drea Kaufman, and we talked through every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And, and then last but not least, doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. Uh, it's a fun show. You know, uh, we've got shows there about just about every single part of the Star Wars universe. So if you love Star Wars, that is the place to be. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now you hear. Thank you.